Yo, welcome everybody to another episode of Mega Strange. You're here with your host, Derek Acosta. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Dedrick Acosta. That's right, I changed the name. Welcome to today's episode. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard the song, Who Let the Dogs Out? Yeah, one of life's great mysteries. Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Well, you know, it wouldn't be a mystery if we could break through and actually communicate with the dogs. If that was possible, then the dogs could tell us themselves who exactly let them out. But sadly, science has never been able to make that breakthrough with communicating with animals. Or have they? That is the subject of today's episode. How many times have you found yourself hanging out by yourself, lonely on a lonely night, maybe in your bedroom, maybe in your living room, and your only companion is your trusty little pet, Toto, or Rover, or Schnikes, or whatever it is you name your pet. Uh, by the way, I have a, a orange tabby cat. Her name is Wallet. Yeah, Wallet. That's the name I came up with when I was about 15 years old. And uh, I didn't have a pet at the time, but I knew that someday I would, and I was going to name my pet Wallet. Um, other names that I have also tried to give to uh, family pets would be Thundercles. I tried to get my mom to name her dog Thundercles once. Uh, I had a friend who named his dog Kilgore, a little tiny poodle named Kilgore. That was a good dog. Uh, what names have you? What's the most creative pet name you've personally experienced? Or what is your favorite name that you've given to a pet? Leave it in the comments below. Sometimes you're hanging out with your pet. And you're just talking shit to your pet. Maybe you're venting your problems because nobody will listen to you and you have no, uh, you know, sympathetic ear to listen to all your woes. So you're just dumping it on your pet and then suddenly your dog or your cat walks over and it gives you a little sympathetic lick. Lick, lick, lick. Right there on the hand. And for a moment, you think to yourself, this thing knows what's up. This thing knows what I'm talking about. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like your pet knows what you're talking about? Maybe it's been a while since you've had a thought like that. I feel like it's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a juvenile thought to think sometimes. Or maybe, uh, you know, those respectable intellectuals, uh, intellectuals will have you believe that it, that it's a juvenile thing to think that your pet might be understanding you. And some people might want to say that animals are stupid. And they, they uh, remove themselves, human beings, from the lexicon of animals they say we are humans and they are animals and i mean i definitely agree there's a 100 percent a cognitive difference between humans and the rest of the animal kingdom and it's kind of freaky when you think about it like why of all the millions of species on earth were only humans um able to evolve to the point of intelligence that we're at you know some people would say that's the argument for the existence of god um, and, uh, I think it was, uh, Michelangelo who painted, um, God and Adam on the, on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And he is, you know, they're just about to touch the finger and it's the moment that sparked intelligence in humans. And then if you look at that painting kind of pulled out and uh, look at it from afar and a little bit like blur your vision and look at it abstractly, it looks like the human brain. And so there is this thought of, um, you know, and the missing link as well. It's like, when did we make the jump from being just dumb animals to intelligent life forms who could think about ourselves existentially and could communicate with each other and have complex intellectual thought? I'm not here to argue that, um, that um, you know, there's not something weird going on there. But I, uh, I definitely find it interesting that just one, just one species on this planet. And so far, as far as we know, one species in the entire universe. Because even though there's all of this conversation 
uh, happening in the news and in the government about UFOs and UAPs and intelligent extraterrestrial life forms out there, we've yet to definitively discover one. So as far as we know, so far, we're the only ones. But I do remember this idea of being able to communicate with animals was really fascinating to me personally as a child after I saw the 1990s hit sci-fi action thriller, Congo. Y'all remember the movie Congo? It was about a gorilla who could do sign language to talk to humans. And they attached some sort of device where the, uh, it was almost like the Stephen Hawking device, you know, where he's sitting in his chair and he's like typing on a computer and an electronic voice relays what he's trying to say. That's what they gave the gorilla in the movie. The gorilla would like wear special gloves and stuff and do this sign language and it'd be like, Coco wants a banana. And I think the gorilla in the movie may have been uh, named Coco, if I remember correctly. Maybe I'm getting that wrong because there is an actual gorilla in real life named Coco that they taught sign language to. Yes, we're going to be talking about Coco today, and we're going to be talking about some of the uh, lawsuits that Coco has been involved in, because no joke, this gorilla has been involved in some lawsuits. I guess, you know, once you could start talking, you could start talking shit, and then you're liable for that shit you say, gorilla. We're going to hold you on the hook. You can't be saying all this fucked up shit to people thinking you're getting away with it because you're just a gorilla. We'll get to that later. But the movie Congo, which came out in the 90s, was about this talking gorilla uh, who led led some people on an expedition into the Congo searching for these ancient, super intelligent race of gorillas who were actually extremely violent. I guess you could just call those humans, uh, but they're, they're different from humans because they look like gorillas. Anyways, whatever. I saw the movie Congo when I was a kid, and I love this idea of, uh, you know, scientifically investigating the ability to communicate with animals. That's what we're talking about today. Uh, so apparently, you know, well, we all know that on some level there is a level of communication that can be achieved between different species. You know, people can can uh, communicate with their dogs. Yes, you can give a dog a command. You can tell it to sit down. You can tell it to roll over. You can tell it to play dead. And the dog will, you know, correspond with some accurate behavior relating to that communication. And beyond that, we can tell when a dog is sad. We can tell when a dog is happy. Most dog owners can differentiate between a happy bark and an aggressive bark. Obviously, you know when a dog is like growling on you and taking some aggressive posture that that dog is fucking angry. It's about ready to rip your face off. And, you know, we can communicate to a lesser degree with cats. And we know that parrots can imitate human speech. Apparently, there is um, about... 59 or 60 species of animals that can communicate, that are, are capable of interspecies communication. Um, and the way that we communicate is mostly through nonverbal communication. Um, facial expressions, posture, tone, and a little bit of verbal communication, right? Barking, speaking, meowing, mooing, oinking, whatever you have. But that's not what I want to talk about today. Today, I want to go deeper into the scientifically explored idea that we can have actual, intelligent conversations with animals in English or in the relative language of the scientists who are studying the animals. Some of these animals that we're going to talk about today speak Russian. Some of them communicate through sign language. But the point is that they're using intelligent language to communicate intelligent thoughts that they are having. Now, what we're not going to be talking about, what we're going to be trying to avoid, and what some of the controversy about this topic uh, involves is 
mimicry, imitation, and just responding in a trained manner to respond a certain way to your handlers, right? Uh, there was this famous uh, a, a horse, you know, like a hundred years ago that could supposedly do math, but then they found out that the horse uh, was just trained to respond to his handler's reactions. And so the horse wasn't necessarily doing math, but it was just kind of like, again, taking the nonverbal cues and reading the body language of his trainers. And it knew like, oh, when the trainers uh, act like that and I clap my hoof like five times, I'm going to get a treat. And it wasn't that the horse was necessarily doing math. It was just responding in a trained manner. That's not exactly what we're talking about today. Today we want to talk about animals that are cognitive of what's going on out there in the world. You know, a lot of animals supposedly don't have a sense of identity, right? If you've ever shown a dog a reflection of itself and it starts growling at the reflection, it thinks it's looking at another dog. It doesn't realize that it's looking at itself. It has no concept of myself. But some of these animals might. All right, well, let's get into it. The first animal that I want to talk about uh, is probably the the most famous, one of the most famous, if not the most famous, talking animal that has ever existed. Though I'm willing to wager most people out there have never heard of Alex the Parrot. Shouts out if you've heard of Alex the Parrot. You're a real talking animal expert. Uh, Alex the Parrot was a gray parrot who was born on May 18th, 1976, um, and was the subject of a 30-year experiment with animal psychologist Irene Pepperberg. Now, Alex the Parrot was initially studied at the University of Arizona, but later made its way all the way to Harvard, which that alone, if you're wondering how intelligent this parrot could be, this parrot made it to Harvard. Did you make it to Harvard? Me neither. So this parrot already has a more impressive uh, academic resume than I do, which uh, is frustrating because this parrot didn't even have to do 12 years of schooling like I did just to get rejected from Harvard. The thing got accepted right away. Um, Alex the Parrot was bought in a pet shop by Irene Pepperberg when it was about one years old. Now, before working with Alex the Parrot, it was widely believed in the scientific community that a large primate brain was required to handle complex problems related to language and understanding. You may have heard the insult bird brain at some point in your life, probably when you were arguing with like an old timey, uh, you know, pre boomer greatest generation grandpa who was like, nah, what's the man? And he spoke like a gangster. Like what's the matter with you? You don't get anything right. You bird brain. Uh, but they may want to reconsider that insult because since the experiments with Alex, the parrot have taken place, it is now, uh, widely considered that birds are some of the most intelligent animals on our planet. Um, not only are they capable of mimicking and repeating sounds to interact with each other, but um, Alex, particularly the Alex the Parrot accomplishments, support the idea that birds are able to reason on a basic level and use words creatively. Uh and Irene Pepperberg later wrote of Alex the Parrot that his intelligence was on the level of dolphins and great apes. She also claimed that Alex the Parrot had an intelligence that was equivalent to that of a five-year-old human child in some respects. That's like a kindergartner. Uh, what matter? What matter? Rock. Good birdie. What would you call this? Rock. Rock. Very good. And what would you call this? It's a tomato. Um, and 
sadly, Alex the Parrot is no longer with us. But by the time he had died, he had not even reached his full potential. So Alex's life was cut short, sadly. And had he been able to live to his full life expectancy, we probably could have got him all the way up to like a second or third grader. Yeah. And let's remember that the main characters in South Park are third graders. So Alex could have been doing some like epic Cartman level impressions and at least uh, some like Stan and Kyle-esque comedy bits all on his own. He could have been a writer. Uh, could have got up to a third grade intelligence level. Um, in addition to the um, intelligence of a five-year-old, it is said that Alex had the emotional intelligence of a two-year-old. So less impressive, but still, like two-year-olds are pretty cute. So, um, and you know, they, they on some level, some, some genius two-year-olds out there know what's going on. So, you know, this bird was um, linguistically intelligent, emotionally intelligent. And uh, that's more than I could say for like a lot of people in my personal friend group. So Alex the parrot was pretty cool. Some of the things that Alex was able to accomplish to demonstrate his intelligence, for example, would be Alex could be shown an object and asked about its shape, its color, or the material uh, that the object was made from, and he could label it correctly. Alex, what matter? Whoa! That's right. Alex could describe a key, no matter, could describe and recognize a key, no matter what size or what color, and could determine how the key was different from others, right? So Alex could say, like, red key, blue key, big key, small key. How many? That's right. You're a good boy. No, sweetie. No, you can't go back yet. And you could show Alex a key the size of a a fucking Ozzy Osbourne tour bus, and it wouldn't confuse him. He'd still be like, that's a big, big key, but it's still a key. This is crazy, though. I think uh, this next part's the most impressive thing Alex ever did. One time, it is stated that while looking at himself in a mirror, Alex asked the question, what color? And then learned the word gray after being told the word gray six times. And this is a scientific milestone because that instance made Alex the Parrot the first and only non-human animal to have ever asked a question, let alone an existential question. Apes, so far, that have been trained to use sign language have failed to ever ask a question. So this bird, this genius fucking bird, this Harvard-educated bird was looking at the mirror, looking at himself, tripping out, and being like, what color is that? And when the researchers told him, you're gray, the bird knew, okay, I'm gray, and that's me. And that's pretty cool. I don't know. That's a pretty, uh, I mean, maybe we're on the precipice of uh, the bird evolution. bird evolution. These birds are coming for us, dude. Not only uh, that, but Alex understood the turn-taking aspect of communication. So this bird, unlike some people that I do podcasts with who just talk and talk and talk and never let anybody else get a word in, the bird... (laughs) Sorry. The bird would actually pause and let somebody else get a word in so that the conversation could flow naturally. I'm telling you, this bird is smarter and politer than half the people that I hang out with. Um, uh, Alex would refer to apples as binaries, uh, and it was noted that it rhymed with the word canary. And some of uh, the linguist friends of Irene Pepperberg speculated that Alex was familiar with the fruit banana and was familiar with the fruit cherry and combined those words to create his own label for the word apple, banary, which... I might be in the mood for some binaries myself later, and I think I might just be referring to apples from binary, uh, as binaries from now on because that's just cool and a nod to my favorite bird ever, Alex the Parrot. Uh, Alex the Parrot could even do math to a limited extent, 
and could correctly add up small numbers. And even though there's some debate as to whether the bird was doing math or not, um, it was basically settled upon the concept that if Alex wasn't doing math, then he was able to eyeball and estimate quantities of objects to an extremely accurate amount uh, faster and more accurate, uh, faster and more accurately better than humans can do. Not only that, but when Alex was tired of being tested, he would say the phrase, want to go back, meaning he wanted to go back to his cage. And in general, Alex was known to request to go to many places by saying, want to go, and then would just add where he wanted to go. Want to go, want to go window, want to go chair, want to go cage, want to go back. And if he was taken to a different place, not where he requested to go, he would get fucking pissed off this bird would protest um and nobody ever trained him to say want to go that is something this bird picked up on his own just by having conversations with his human um researchers so the bird demonstrated an ability to like learn new concepts and new phrases outside of his educational curriculum Alex the bird could display uh, irritation. Um, for example, he was known to say, want a banana. But if he was offered a nut instead of the banana, he would stare in silence at the nut, which is exactly what I do when I request food and somebody brings the opposite thing of what I wanted. They just, you know, put it down. and I'm just like, huh? He would stare in silence at the banana, and sometimes he would take the nut and throw it at the researcher, which uh, is also something I've always wanted to do, but have never quite crossed the threshold. So Alex the parrot is living dangerously and is an inspiration to us all to be true to your heart. When somebody, you know, especially at a restaurant, when somebody brings you the wrong food, just fucking throw it back in their face, you know, parrot style. Um, sometimes the researchers would display irritation with Alex because, you know, when you're trying to have a conversation with a bird, sometimes it could get frustrating. And Alex could pick up on this irritation and was known to de try to diffuse situations by using the phrase, I'm sorry. Bird is polite. And generally speaking, Alex would give uh, correct answers to his questions about 80% of the time. That's eight out of 10 times, four out of five times, Alex was on the on the ball, was on point. Four out of five times, he gets it every time. There is a famous instance of Alex when Irene Pepperberg was trying to do um, a test with Alex. She had two red blocks, three blue blocks, and four green blocks. And she would ask him the question, what color three expecting Alex to reply with blue because there were three blue blocks. But instead of replying with a color, Alex answered with the number five. What color three? Five. What color three? Five. They would repeat this over and over. Finally, the researcher started to infer, like, maybe the bird is getting bored with my questions. And so she asked, okay, fine, what color five? To which Alex replied, none. There are no groups of five here. Uh, this suggested that parrots, like humans, get bored. And that sometimes Alex would answer questions incorrectly despite knowing the correct answer. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to make of all that. It's interesting. Like, uh, so now we know that parrots can recognize themselves, can ask questions about themselves, can ask existential questions about themselves, can know when you're getting fucking pissed off and can apologize. They can fuck with your head um, and just purposely mess with you. You ask them questions. They purposely give you the wrong answer. They ask for food. You purposely give them the wrong food. They throw it back in your face. I'm starting to see why they're saying it was like dealing with a two to five year old. Sadly, uh, Alex did die at the age of 31 on September 6th 
2007, which came as a surprise to the researchers because gray parrots have a lifespan uh, in captivity of 45 years. So he died about 14 years before he was due. His last known words were from the night before he died when he said to his trainer, you be good. I love you. See you tomorrow. And I think that those are beautiful final words for any animal on this planet, let alone the world's smartest parrot. Those also coincidentally were the same words he would say every single night to Irene Pepperberg before she left the laboratory. You be good. I love you. See you tomorrow. That's Alex the Parrot. But he doesn't stop with parrots because we've got talking mammals, too. And I want to tell you about a little creature, a large creature, in fact, named Baytar, Bater the Elephant. Bater the Elephant was born in the El Mati Zoo on May 24th, 1970, and lived uh, the rest of his life in the Karaganda Zoo in Karaganda, Kazakhstan. He was a, the offspring of wild Indian elephants, a subspecies of the Asian elephant, and was known to speak Russian and Kazakh to his trainers. Now, the way that I saw a video of this, uh, there's also another elephant in Korea who speaks Korean. And the way the elephant would do this is by bending his trunk back into his mouth and then blowing into the trunk to do this like weird low bass resonation, almost like a whistle that would mimic human speech. Apparently, Bader um, was first alleged to have spoken just before New Year's Day in the winter of 1977 when he was seven years old. Zoo employees first noticed his speech um, but he soon was speaking to anybody who would come to the zoo, and zoo-goers were delighted to hear this elephant, elephant talk to them. Uh, Bater would ask attendees of the zoo for water and would regularly praise himself by saying, good Bater. And sometimes he would even chastise himself by saying, bad Bater. In 1979, uh... Just two years later, he had become extremely famous as various mass media stories started reporting about his speaking abilities. But of course, this was the 70s when there was no Internet and fact checking was uh, more of an afterthought than an art form as it is today. And so a lot of these reports were like wildly exaggerated and contained um, considerable fabrications. But nonetheless, there are... Um, scientific studies of Bater and what he was actually capable of doing. It is said that Bater had a vocabulary of about 20 words in Russian and Kazakh, and he could reportedly imitate the sounds of other animals. He would utter short phrases, including words of human slang. So, yo, it was like a slang-talking elephant. Be like, yo, what's up? I'm Bater the Elephant. Uh, individual and disputable sounds were not considered. So in the scientific research about Bader the Elephant, they tried to disqualify anything that kind of sounded like a word or uh, was, you know, they couldn't quite be sure what he was saying. Like maybe he's trying to say something, but we don't know. So they only uh, recorded the 20 phrases that were definitely discernible. Uh, here is the full list of words that Bader was supposedly able to say. So he could say his name, Bater. He could say the word I'm, the contraction of I am, and he would use it to say I'm Bater. I'm Bater. Um, he would say, he would do a, a, a different pronunciation of his name. So sometimes he would say Bader, very quick and abruptly. Sometimes he would say it thoughtfully and tenderly, like Bater. Um, he was also known to run around in his cage repeating his name, Bater, 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 Bater. Um, he, spoke, he spoke Russian, and so he would use the affectionate Russian term 
Baterushka, which is like a, uh, you know, almost like baby bater. He would use water. He would use the term for water to request a drink. He would use the word good when he was referring to himself, as in good bater. Uh, he could say, oh, yo, which it just sounds cool. I mean, obviously, I know what the words oh and yo mean, and I know how I would use the words oh, yo. I'd be like, oh, yo, give me some water. And I'm assuming that's how Bader would do it as well. Um, but Bader knew some bad words as well. He would sometimes call people a fool. He would use the term bad as in bad Bader, though this was very rare. So Bader had like a positive outlook on life and generally uh, a lot of self-confidence. He didn't often refer to himself as bad Bader. He would use the word go and was uh, apparently, uh, apparently one time during a Russian telecast, they were filming him for television, said the phrase, go to hell. So uh, Bader must really not like uh, film producers and TV producers, like lots of people. Uh, Bader would use a Russian curse word for penis. Uh, so I guess that's the uh, American equivalent of like dick or, you know, there's so many words for penis, but uh, he would use the Russian curse word for penis sometimes. He would use Baterushka. But he would also say babushka, which is a uh, uh, word meaning grandmother. He would say yes. He would say give me. He would say give, give, give. And apparently, uh, while dancing and turning and hopping in his pen, he would say one, two, three, which I just think is amazing to watch an elephant hop around and dance and go one, two, three, one, two, three, you know, like he's doing some sort of waltz. Uh, sadly, Bader died in 1993 after zookeepers accidentally gave him an overdose of sedatives, uh, and his death was reported worldwide. Um, you know, Bader was a rock star and like most rock stars, he went out ODing, drugging. Okay. Um, our next animal probably the most famous talking animal in the world, well, in America, because Bader was, got worldwide attention, would be the inspiration for the movie Congo, as I previously mentioned in this episode. Congo. And that would be Coco the Gorilla. Born on the 4th of July in 1971, Coco was a female Western lowland gorilla who was born in the San Francisco Zoo. Coco had an active vocabulary uh, and was taught sign language and knew more than 1,000 signs of uh, sign language uh, of what researchers called gorilla sign language or GSL. So if you um, speak American sign language and you think you're just going to go up and have like a little conversation with Coco, Sorry, you got to learn gorilla sign language. Uh, Coco the gorilla was uh, also apparently able to understand approximately 2,000 words of spoken English in addition to uh, signing. So I guess if you wanted to talk to the gorilla, you could just talk to the gorilla and then uh, she would sign back in gorilla sign language. Coco was said to have understood nouns, verbs, adjectives, and also abstract concepts like the idea of good, knowing the difference between good and bad, and the idea of fake, knowing the difference between fake and real. Um, but it is said that Coco's use of language was never able to exceed that of a young human child. In 1978, Coco gained worldwide attention as she was pictured on the cover of National Geographic magazine, taking her own picture in the mirror. She was later moved to a uh, gorilla preserve, uh, like an open space uh, gorilla sanctuary, where Coco met and interacted with a variety of celebrities, including Robin Williams, Mr. Rogers, Betty White, William Shatner, 
Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Leonardo DiCaprio, Peter Gabriel, and Sting. So uh, not only have we talked about a bird who has a higher level, uh, who has a higher college degree than I have, but now we're talking about a gorilla who has way cooler friends than I have too. Sucks being a human sometimes. You have to try so hard to reach the highest levels of fame just to like get a good education and have cool friends. But if you're a gorilla who can do sign language, good, bad, fake, real, you get to hang out with Mr. Rogers and Leonardo DiCaprio. It's a little bit unfair. Coco was also able to report um, about something called displacement, which is the ability to communicate about objects that are not currently present. So Coco would know when things were missing. You know, Coco would be like, yo, who took my switch? Where did it go? And at the age of 19, Coco apparently was able to pass the mirror test of self-recognition, which most other gorillas fail. We already talked about dogs looking in the mirror, thinking they're looking at a different dog. Coco looked in the mirror and knew that she was looking at herself. Who is that? Think me there. Okay, that is you. Um, but unfortunately, she never asked what color am I, like Alex the parrot. So I would love to put Alex the parrot and Coco in a room and just let them go off, like talking to each other. And maybe they could like, I don't know, maybe that'd be bad, actually. Maybe they would like organize some sort of like revolution and be like, are you tired of being tested too? Be like, yeah, I am. Let's take back the power. And then Alex the parrot like sits on Coco's shoulder whispering all this like fucked up shit. Like, let's go get the bananas because all they're doing is giving us fucking nuts around here. And Coco's like, yeah, I'm with it. That's how Planet of the Apes would really go down. Uh, Yeah, and you know, in the movie Planet of the Apes, I think there was, you know, as a guerrilla researcher uh, trying to communicate with the apes, but they never involved the parrots or the elephants either. You know, Planet of the Apes... It could have just been planet of the animals and you could have had all the animals like getting super intelligent and revolting against the humans. You know, I like to make it a tradition on the show to suggest badass movie ideas. And I think I just found another one. Planet of the animals coming soon. It's also said that Coco was able to relay personal memories um, and was reported to use something called Meta language because Coco was so intelligent, they tried to get Coco to teach other gorillas how to speak in GSL, gorilla sign language. And Coco would comment on the other gorillas' abilities by saying good sign when the gorillas would finally communicate some GSL words correctly. Good sign, brother. Coco is also reported to use language deceptively. So before you start thinking Coco's all cute and cuddly, I want you to realize that Coco's a fucking liar. And Coco's lied about a lot of shit. But of course, the scientists don't mind when a gorilla's lying to them. They get a big kick out of it because they're like, oh, this suggests that an underlying understanding of the theory of other minds, which says uh, that Coco had the ability to realize that other beings could operate in a state outside of how Coco was feeling. So if Coco is like, I feel a certain way, I know that you don't necessarily feel the same way. And thus, I guess that led Coco to become a fucking liar and use words deceptively. Coco also reportedly invented new signs all on her own. For example, the scientists showed Coco a ring um, and Coco took the ring and would refer to it using the combined words finger and bracelet. And so Coco named the ring that she got a finger bracelet, which is extremely accurate. So, you know, why, why don't we just call a ring a finger bracelet? I mean, that's just simple. Now, some people like to uh, criticize and detract from Coco's communication abilities, as with all animals. Some people just don't believe this stuff. Some people think that there's some bad science going on. And criticism of these uh, experiments point to the fact that a lot of publications in the press talk about Coco, but there are far fewer uh, scientific publications um, reporting on Coco, 
with any substantial data. And other researchers would argue that Coco did not even understand the meaning of what she was saying, that she was just kind of like flailing around um, and dishing out meaningless signs and that it was the researchers who were studying Coco that were doing the interpretation for her. Not even necessarily that Coco was trying to say these things, but was just saying all this random stuff. And the researchers were like, oh my God, she just lied to us. She's sad, but she said she's happy. And honestly, I can understand that too, because I have people on like my Instagram friends list who have these uh, pedals for their dogs to step on. And it's like hungry, want to play. And they're just like buttons that say stuff. And they're like, I'm talking to my dog today. And they film a video of the dog just like slapping all these buttons and like, wow, my dog is so smart. And I'm like, man, no. I don't know if the dog is really smart or if maybe you're just not smart enough. I can't say what's going on there. Um, but yes, uh, one of the concerns uh, and the criticisms was that the interpretation of, of uh, the gorilla conversations was left up to the handlers and that Coco was not saying anything meaningful in is and she didn't really understand what she was saying but i don't know because there are some of these things that come out in these reports that would to me at least suggest the opposite and we'll get to those in a little bit in 1972 and in 1977 uh coco was administered uh, a handful of infant iq tests and it was recorded that she achieved scores in the 70 to 90 range, which is comparable to a human infant that is intellectually slow, but not intellectually impaired. So pretty smart for a gorilla, a little dumb for a human. However, again, some people criticize this by saying that these infant IQ tests rely a lot on locomotive abilities, the ability to like pick things up, move them around, and recognize them and do certain things with them. And they have pointed out the fact that gorillas develop locomotive ability much quicker and uh, much quicker than humans do. And that humans and gorillas develop at different stages and over different time spans. And so they kind of say like, you can't really compare uh, the development of a gorilla to the development of a human, which is just what some of the detractors say. But, you know, we're on like the cutting edge of fringe science here. It's the wild, wild west. So let these gorillas be labeled like dumb babies. OK, why do we got to criticize everything? Every time the gorilla scores well on a test, somebody comes out to be like, um, actually, it's like just let the gorilla have its test scores, please. Can't we? Um, Coco actually had this to me, uh, is weird. I'll say straight out the gate and possibly a little unethical. Let me know what you think in the comments below, but Coco had pets. Coco had pets for Christmas in 1983. Coco stated that she wanted, uh, a kitten. She wanted to have a cat for Christmas and researchers gave her a lifelike stuffed animal, but this did not satisfy Coco. She didn't play with the stuffed animal and would repeatedly sign the phrase sad, sad, sad. I'm sure if she had the ability to uh, be even more complex, she would sign the phrase. This is fucking bullshit. I asked for a cat and you gave me a stuffed animal. This is not satisfactory whatsoever. All that was wrapped up in the phrase sad. So on her birthday, on the 4th of July in 1984, she was given the opportunity to choose a kitten from a litter of abandoned kittens. Coco selected a gray male Manx and named him All Ball. Uh, people were amazed at the name Coco gave to the kitten and said that this proved that Coco had the ability to rhyme. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure given more time, Coco could have come up with a whole nursery rhyme or perhaps a cool rhyming song. Who knows? But Coco cared for her little kitten all ball as if it were a baby gorilla. And it was said that she tried to nurse all ball, um, and was very gentle and loving with her kitten all ball. 
Um, but this is a sad story because in December of that year, one year after asking for a cat to begin with, Allball escaped from Coco's cage and was sadly hit by a car and passed away. The researchers informed Coco that all ball had been killed. And Coco signed the phrases, bad, sad, bad. Frown, cry, frown, sad, trouble. Later that evening, researchers also reported hearing Coco making sounds similar to a human weeping. And that's just really fucking sad. This gorilla's cat died and Coco cried all night. One year later, uh, well, not one year later because that was December 1984. So a few months later in 1985, Coco was allowed to pick two new kittens from a litter to replace All Ball to be her new companions. She chose um, two more Manxes, and this time she named them Lips and Smokey. Uh, and Coco maintained her relationship with Lips and Smokey for a long time. We don't have any information on what happened to Lips and Smokey. But there's another animal that Coco became familiar with, a green-winged macaw, which the report says are the bird is of a mysterious origin. So apparently this bird just showed up in the gorilla preserve one day and started feeding on a loquat tree, eating the fruit from the gorilla preserve. Um, I don't know if this pissed Coco off or not, uh, because Coco was initially frightened of the parrot and named the bird Devil Tooth. There are also reports that Coco uh, would sometimes insult humans by calling them Devil Toilets, but I don't have any more information on that. That's just an anecdotal story I picked up on um, in my research. Uh, but that's a hell of an insult. And I don't know how I would respond if Coco called me a devil toilet. Uh, but the bird, even though it was a green winged macaw, it was a red bird and it had a white beak. And so researchers think that Coco saw the red feathers and picked up on the phrase devil and then saw the white beak and picked up on the phrase tooth. Uh, and so named the bird devil tooth. To celebrate her birthday in 2015, Coco was presented with another litter of kittens, and she picked two pet cats, and this time she named them Miss Black and Miss Gray. And I just want to say that every time Coco gets to pick kittens, more and more the names that she picks are just similar to names that an actual cat lady would give her cats. Because Miss Black and Miss Gray, I swear to God, I've met cats out there that had those names. These are my two cats, Miss Black and Miss Gray. I told you at the beginning of this episode that Coco was involved in a lawsuit. So let's get to it. I don't know how to say this, so I'm just going to come out and say it. Coco had a nipple fixation. Coco was reported to have a severe preoccupation with both male and female human nipples. Several people have reported that Coco would request to see their nipples. This is not funny. Uh, I think I just laugh because this is such an awkward story. In 2005... Three female staff members filed a lawsuit against the organization, the Gorilla Foundation, alleging that they were pressured to reveal their nipples to Coco. The lawsuit alleged that researchers would bring staff members in to see Coco and would pressure them to flash the ape and would say, for example, phrases like, oh, yes, Coco, Nancy has nipples. Nancy can show you her nipples. Why? Why would you even go there? What scientific 
What purpose does that have? Especially a, a preoccupation with these nipples. Like, once you've seen the nipples once, why do you have to continue to do this over and over? I don't know. Uh, apparently, one of the researchers... Uh, I don't even want to get into everything that happened. You can look this up for yourself if you really want to know all the nitty-gritty details of the nipple lawsuit. But I will say, on one occasion, one of the gorilla's handlers told a woman that Coco had requested to be alone with her. And the woman was sent to Coco's enclosure. And Coco, it's just Coco and the woman in this enclosure at this point, and Coco begins signing the phrases, let down your hair, lie down on the floor, show me your breasts, close your eyes. And then the woman reported that Coco began to squat and breathe heavily. That is terrifying. That's terrifying. And frankly, once I've read this, I feel like nobody should be allowed to be left alone with Coco at this point. We can't. And then we are, we already have established that Coco knows how to lie. So it's like Coco did you sexually harass the scientists? Be like, no, wasn't me. Sorry to end uh, this Coco story on such a downer note, uh, but I think this is mega strange and the truth needs to come out. Okay. Some of these talking animals are geniuses. Some of them are brilliant, but some of them have done some fucked up borderline criminal activity. And we're not going to gloss over the bad parts to just boost these animals' reputations, okay? Coco was a little bit of a freak. And uh, Coco was a little bit scary. Luckily, Coco's reign of nipple terror will no longer go on because Coco did pass away the morning of June 19th, 2018. And despite her sexual harassment lawsuits and all the allegations against Coco... The Gorilla Foundation released a statement saying the impact has been profound on what she has taught us about the emotional capacity of gorillas and their cognitive abilities. And this research will continue to shape the world. And that is the story of Coco the Gorilla. And those are my stories of talking animals. Did you enjoy those stories? Let me know what you think about today's episode in the comment below. How would you respond? What would you do? Would you, I mean, you can't fight Coco. You don't need to tell me how you would respond. I don't think there is any response. I think it's just a sad story. The nipple fixation aspect of Coco. Let's say if you could talk to any animal, who would you like to talk to? And what would you like to know? Let's assume there's some super intelligent animal out there who can fully communicate on a level 100% equivalent to humans. What would you ask? And uh, would that be scary? I don't know. I just want to. I just want to hear what you think about today's episode. Talk to me in the comments below. We're going to be responding to the comments that are engaging. We're going to be liking all the comments that are good. So get in there, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of Mega Strange. I'm Derek. Thanks for joining me today. Hope you liked it. We'll see you next time. Good night. I love you. Be good. Stay strange, everybody. Bye-bye.